Welcome to the IVF Journey with Dr. Michael Chapman, the podcast for couples who struggle with infertility and want to fulfill their dreams of becoming parents. In this podcast, you'll learn actionable strategies to deal with infertility from Dr. Michael Chapman, or Prof as he's affectionately known. Prof is the co-founder of IVF Australia and is a leading Australian infertility specialist who has helped over 3,000 couples realise their dreams of becoming parents. To access previous episodes packed with ideas, solutions and tips that actually work, head over to Dr Chapman's IVF podcast on iTunes. You can also ask questions by contacting Dr. Chapman's rooms on 1800 111 483 or by emailing him michael.chapman at ivf.com.au. That first cry of a baby born after the long journey of IVF remains one of the most beautiful experiences in the world. As an obstetrician and an IVF specialist, I've had the privilege of experiencing this over many thousands of times in my long career, but I still remain moved by each baby's first cry. It signifies the end of a long journey and the beginning of a new life. This is Professor Michael Chapman, co-founder of IVF Australia and host of the IVF Journey podcast. Thanks for tuning in. To access all the previous episodes, head over to my website, www.theivfjourney.com and select IVF Journey Podcast from the navigation menu. You'll also be able to find the various services that we provide at IVF Australia. Today we'll talk about what you need to do in leading up to an IVF cycle and what you might expect in the early days of an IVF cycle. But it's the beginning of a journey and it's not necessarily a, an enjoyable journey. It's full of stress and unfortunately for many it will lead to a disappointing ending. Obviously babies do occur and they occur very frequently, a lot more frequently than in the past because we're better and better at it. But preparing yourself for a cycle must include the preparation for being unsuccessful. So your doctor has decided that you need to have IVF. The first step in this is to become well educated on what's going to happen to you. Because knowing what's going to happen will take away some of your concerns, some of the things that lead to worry. So that education includes knowing what drugs are going to be prescribed, how they're going to be given, how often you're going to have to come to the clinic, how often you're going to have ultrasounds, what your interaction with the clinic will be, how can you keep in contact. Read everything you can. Now I suggest that you read what the clinic gives you because clinics today have a pile of information about those cycles. On the internet there obviously are lots of other sources of information. Some of it's accurate but the worry is that some of it is inaccurate and you need to be sure that for your clinic and what you're doing you know what's going on. Usually the nurses in the clinic are wonderful people who are quite comfortable fielding questions any time of the day but they're busy people so don't necessarily expect an immediate answer on that day or that morning or when you call. 
some clinics are lucky and they do have direct access to the nurses but most clinics they're busy particularly during the mornings but they'll get back to you by the end of the day so reading about it talking to other patients who've been through the same experience is valuable they can be very reassuring when you think things are not going as well as they should be Ask your doctor all the questions. You know, if you've got questions, most of us now have emails. And uh, if you can't get through directly, then most of us are happy to respond to emails. So then once you know what you're going through or about to go through, then comes preparing yourself physically. Now, some people will tell you, and I'm sure your mothers will, or your mother-in-law in particular, that you should stop drinking coffee and don't have any alcohol, eat better. I'm afraid if you're within weeks of starting an IVF cycle, changing those habits is going to make absolutely no difference whatsoever. Moderation, however, is probably good and certainly you mustn't go out on binging and stopping cigarettes is probably a good idea if you are a smoker for the weeks leading up to a cycle. Weight has been shown to be an issue particularly if you're very overweight. But again, with weeks to go to a cycle, you're not going to change that substantially. But even a small reduction, some people say as little as two or three kilos, can improve the hormone environment. On the husband's side, the similar commentary occurs. There's not much you can do to change a sperm count over a few weeks, and indeed both the eggs that are coming on at that time and the sperm that's developed at that time began their journey months beforehand and so doing anything particularly different in the hope that it improves things is is probably pie in the sky. So leading up to a cycle we've talked about stress already and uh, if stress is a major factor in your life then use the counselling services that your clinics provide. Be prepared to have a session about to talk through what your expectations are and what your hopes are. And again, it's about being developing some degree of realistic view. For instance, if you're a 42-year-old woman going through a first cycle of IVF, your chances of actually taking a baby home are going to be less than 10% on average. Now, there are women who have a much higher chance because they've got lots of eggs at that age. They're lucky people. There are people who have virtually no eggs and, and around the menopause who have virtually no chance of getting pregnant. But knowing those statistics is very important and in giving you a realistic view so that when you go into a cycle and you work your way through it and there's disappointment at the end, it wasn't that you were guaranteed of a baby. It was very much the opposite. So that realism is vital in terms of preparing yourself for the cycle. Once you get into the cycle and you've learned how to do the injections, you've learnt about the vaginal ultrasound monitoring that occurs, the day-to-day events that occur can be a little uncomfortable because injections can be painful. But also the routine that you need to develop is interfering with your normal patterns of life, of having to think about the injections before you go to bed at night or putting the vaginal pessaries in two or three times a day are all not things you're normally doing. And it does take a while to get into that routine. 
the injections uh, to stimulate egg growth. You come back on the fifth day of treatment, or if that's what your clinic does, measuring the blood levels to make sure you've been response. So you're wondering whether it's going to be a good blood test or not. And then the nurse is ringing you or your doctor ringing you in the afternoon to say, yes, great result, you're heading in the right direction. You start to move your expectations that despite everything that was said beforehand by the doctor and the nurses about your chances of success, hearing that something's going well immediately elevates your views. You think it's going to be successful. And that continues. It's like going up the high side of the roller coaster. You're getting higher and higher in anticipation that everything is going to be fantastic. And that goes all the way through. After the egg collection and there are multiple eggs, again, elation is present. You are doing well. There are babies going to be formed. You're going to end up with a baby at the end of the day. And then being told by the scientists how many are fertilised. That may be your first hit in the head because you got 10 eggs but you only got three fertilised. That wasn't the expectation. It wasn't what you were told was average. Unfortunately, we can't predict what you as an individual achieves. There will be some patients who have 10 eggs they will get 10 fertilised. There will be others who have none. And we can't tell the difference beforehand that a poor result occurs may be the reason you haven't been getting pregnant, that there is a sperm or an egg problem that we don't solve with IVF. The embryos then grow on, and again, we get embryos falling by the wayside. And that's actually what happens in nature. There are many embryos created in a normal menstrual cycle with where everything is normal. Sometimes it's predicted that something more like 60 or 70% of cycles do actually have embryos created. But we don't have a 60 to 70% pregnancy rate in a one menstrual cycle. It's more like 15%. Lots and lots of embryos are actually lost before implantation and even after implantation. So the laboratory doesn't then do any better than nature. It deals with the products that it has, the gametes, the sperm and the egg, and all it can do is provide the best environment for them. But if there are defects in those, then things will not work. We get to day five and we're putting a blastocyst back. Now, that's an achievement. That if you can reach a blastocyst, then you certainly have a higher chance of success than when you started the cycle. But it still is only in the order of 35 to 40% in a woman under the age of 38. There's more chance that that blastocyst won't produce a pregnancy. Not all blastocysts are the same. Some are better developed than others. Some are structurally better. Some are more advanced in terms of the stage of development. In the last six months, we have adapted artificial intelligence to look at this situation of looking at embryos as they grow and picking the ones that are best. And uh, it seems we can predict even better now which embryo is most likely to give you a pregnancy. But still, for the average cycle, a blastocyst still is not uh, the end of the story of creating a baby. The embryo is put back and we don't know what's going to happen. I don't know, as the, the doctor looking after you, that it's going to produce a pregnancy. You don't know, and that's one of the most 
difficult times that patients report to me of the, the not knowing whether I'm pregnant or not and that horrible wait for 10 days. Again, friends who've been through IVF tell you about that and perhaps that helps you. Me saying it might help you a little, but it is a horrible time. And then the pregnancy test at 10 days after that, which you come in in the morning and you haven't had a period yet and therefore you're optimistic that the pregnancy test is going to be positive. And coming in the morning uh, to have the blood test and you've got a horrible six, five, six hour wait while the laboratory processes the result and you wait with expectation for the doctor to give you a call to let you know the good or the bad news. That's a very intense moment that many patients talk about being told that it's negative, like dropping off a cliff, because we've pushed that expectation, despite how realistic we were beforehand of your chances of success, we've pushed that expectation to almost a belief that pregnancy is inevitable. And when you're told that the pregnancy test is negative, it is a huge drop, a disappointment that some people can never get over and they'll never come back to another cycle of IVF. I've certainly had patients tell me that when I talk to them afterwards. But it may not be the end, and for the most patients it isn't, they'll try again. Because it is a numbers game. The more times you try, the greater chance you have of getting a pregnancy. So preparation, knowing what I've just told you about the various steps is important. Knowing and having a realistic view of your chances is also important. But unfortunately, the way in which IVF works is not conducive to taking on a realistic view. We all believe we're going to be the lucky one. And don't forget that you can access all the previous episodes by going to our website, www.theivfjourney.com and select IVF Journey podcast from the navigation menu. Thank you for listening to the IVF Journey with Dr. Michael Chapman, the podcast which helps couples negotiate their way through the IVF journey all the way to parenthood. You can also ask questions by contacting Dr. Chapman's rooms on 1800 111 483 or by emailing him michael.chapman at ivf.com.au. 